Panther Nation, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cats Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Rod Gomez. Find me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. Find the show on Twitter at Indoor Cats Pod. An exciting show for you today because not only do we welcome Ben Wilson, who is the play-by-play voice of our opponents, the Las Vegas Nighthawks, but... We bring in for a conversation Stevie Arteague, our kicker, the former Raging Cajun, and the guy that brings so much energy. <laughs> I was so excited to talk to him, uh, and I can't wait to actually get to meet him on Monday night when we play Las Vegas. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a tough game to talk about first. We'll get that out of the way, then we'll have some fun with Ben, and then wrap it up with a conversation with Stevie. So, uh, yeah, welcome to episode 15. Let's get on with the show. It's never fun rehashing a loss, but I think this is one that we can walk away from with some hope and at least learn something about what we have in this team. And, you know, again, we started out the season so well. It was a a big emotional victory over the strike force. And obviously with uh, Sap Lynch in the house, fighting hard, kind of made everybody else fight a little hard as well. Uh, The team was playing in front of their home crowd. But this is the first test that we had away from home. And really, again, with the excitement and the energy that the Bay Area fans bring, obviously we know that there's there's so much to be had there. Uh, but, you know, we, we they were away from home, and they had an opportunity to play uh, against the uh, Northern Arizona Wranglers over there in Prescott Valley, Arizona. A, a relatively new team in and of their own rights. Uh, in fact, new in, in almost every way, and the fact that they, and we'll talk about it later with Ben Wilson, but uh, they, they really didn't have any players that played there last season. So... This is a new team as well. And they got embarrassed on the road the week before, uh, came back and, and won at home. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of moving parts in the in the indoor football league. And you got to remember sometimes the camp wasn't that far away and that there's still a lot of learning to be done each and every week. And so I said it on Twitter, and you can, again, follow the show on Twitter at IndoorCatsPod. But one of the best ways to learn is through adversity. Now, look, I'm telling you, most football players won't tell you that probably that you know, everybody wants to win and they want to win all the time and they get hard on themselves uh, when they lose. But there's really more to be learned in the fact that you don't win than there is if you win all the time. Because if you win all the time, you're not looking for the things that you need to improve or that you can improve on. And so a lot of times it falls by the wayside. But again, like I said, uh, there's a lot to be taken away from as far as the fight that this team has. Uh, I was very impressed to see the team play all four quarters and and come up with uh, interceptions at the end, touchdowns at the end. Uh, they just never quit, right? It was something that, that you want to see out of a team because uh, you could throw your hands up in the air. You really can, especially when you go down at halftime, uh, 28-14, Again, the game obviously nowhere out of out of hand, uh, but then to have 14 unanswered points in the third quarter uh, to really go down farther, you really could. But you did not see the quit in this team all the way around, uh, and it was again very impressive to see and and very happy to see that kind of of stuff happen on the field. Uh, Got to hand it to to our man Newman and Corey Murphy. Uh, Corey Murphy five for five in the game, 46 yards. Uh, Newman four for 17 uh, for 47 yards so a lot of good things still to happen but uh, again it's a new team right there's still a lot of feeling out process to be done 
but you got to, like I said, give your hats off to to everybody that's still learning and still hanging in there. Uh, defensively, uh, Brandon Dabney looking solid out there. Uh, five solo tackles uh, and two tackles for a loss, which is the only uh, tackles for a loss in there. And then again, for Pringle to get that interception late in the game, it just showed that nobody is willing to give up on this team. They're willing to play every single down. Uh, and again, the game wasn't necessarily exactly what they wanted. Obviously, you want to win the football game, but you also want to see what you have, and you want to see the the type of co- contribution you can get up and down the uh, up and down the roster. And so, to have guys still continue to tribute, uh, like Dwayne Gary, five carries, twenty nine yards, and a touchdown. Uh, obviously, like I said, Gary, uh, Cody, Mur- Corey Murphy, uh, four for thirteen and a touchdown on the ground. So. No giving up in this at all. Uh, so I, I'm impressed with that. And really, you got to think about, too, the kind of culture that um, that Coach Brian is trying to build in, in, Bay Area, in Bay Area football. And I saw this, and I was very happy to see it because I heard him say in training camp, in, in the day that they were doing the scrimmage, uh, that he did not want to see anybody on the uh, getting involved in a skirmish or at least being the one to start the skirmish for sure uh and he said look if anybody gets in your face you get you get up you walk away and you have the referee chase after the other person to try to get them and then throw the flag on them i did see that particular instance play out late in the game again emotions run high you, you start to feel that you already know that you're losing and that coming back is, is going to be a difficult situation. So, again, you get frustrated, you get mad. But what I loved to see was that there was an instance later in the game, I think it was in the third quarter, where uh, one of the defensive players uh, managed to, to get up in the face of one of our offensive players and talk a little bit of smack. But our offensive player turned around, walked away, did not get involved while the defensive player continued to walk after him and chase after him a little bit. And uh, I I noticed the referee starting to walk over a little bit. So when you start to see little things like that play out and the the culture and you see it happen, uh, that's impressive to me. And I I was hats off to to the guys out there playing that, that really took that to heart because that's kind of an overlooked part of this sport. Like I said, I know emotions run high. I unfortunately have never played professional football, nor have I played uh, any sort of competitive football. But I, I do know uh, as a competitor uh, of, of many other things that you tend to get very emotional and very invested in the situation to the point where things can set you off and you can make decisions that will hurt the team. Uh, that will hurt the other people around you and and cause penalties and stuff like that. So uh, for that not to happen and for the game not to get out of hand in that situation, I love to see cooler heads prevail. I love to see that the pride in this team, not only in in the fact that uh, they they played through a a very tough situation and a tough loss, but also managed to keep their composure through it all. And in the end, really just play a clean game all the way through. Uh, and and really just to to show everybody out there that you can win with grace or win with grace and lose with grace as well. Uh, so just to recap real quick, I, I I buried the lead because I didn't necessarily want to rehash it. Anyways, we go to Northern Arizona. Uh, 49-20 was the final score. Uh, again, it started out promising. 
Bay Area and the Wranglers kind of played to a 7-7 stall in the first quarter, but then uh, kind of everything broke loose in the second quarter for Northern Arizona. They were able to get their hands on the ball a couple of times uh, through turnovers and just go out and score uh, almost really just score as much as they they wanted to twenty one points unanswered uh, twenty one points in the second quarter not necessarily unanswered uh, but we did get a couple of good plays in there uh, like I said Corey Murphy got our first score and the first score of the game uh, for, on a one yard run we had uh, Crowell get a six yard pass for Murphy in the second quarter and, and that was a bright spot for us and then of course in the end uh, we had Dwayne Gary bust in a nineteen yard run. Uh, so yeah, that was a, a, a definitely high point for us as well. So, you know, again, some things to take, uh, to take away from and just really the, when we come home, we'll be playing at home again with the crowd behind us again. And it's not like we didn't score, right? I mean, we scored and we kept them at bay as much as we possibly could still good things from the defense. Uh, but I, I have a feeling that this game was more really a factor of Northern Arizona wanting to play up for their home team as well, or their home crowd as well. Uh, again, coming home for the first time after being beat by Las Vegas in their home opener. So, you know, Northern Arizona, not only do they get uh, Las Vegas, but then they get uh, the Bay Area, which are, are both startup teams. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, the first one they played away from home, and then the second one they came back and, and played at home for their home crowd. Uh, they'll move on to San Diego, but we, again, get the Vegas Nighthawks. Uh, broke it down a little bit in the coming segment with Ben Wilson, but for Vegas, uh, again, they started out at home against Northern Arizona where they won 22-9. to Not a high-scoring game by any stretch of the imagination for an indoor football team, but still uh, good enough to get it done. 22-9, that defense, pretty stout. But then... They go and play Tucson. Uh, they stayed home to play Tucson. Uh, unfortunately, they lost 39-48 to 48 on that for Las Vegas. But okay for us because that means they're coming over to us uh, riding a loss, and hopefully we can take advantage of that and pounce on that when they come Monday night to uh, the SAP Center into the jungle. So, yeah, I, I mean, when, when they come to town, uh, we're definitely going to have our hands full, obviously, with a team that scored 39 points. Uh, but we managed to do that too, right, at home. So a uh, lot of work for us to get done, but I have a feeling that when they come back home uh, to, to a friendly crowd and, and some home cooking and a couple of days of rest and some uh, relaxation time to just catch up with themselves and, and the folks that they have back in the Bay Area, uh, they'll come out firing. And, and I think uh, really what, what we're looking forward to is just a, a good, clean game again with a lot of action and a lot to cheer for. Uh, and we have two great quarterbacks. We've got a fantastic defense, a great secondary that was making plays out there. Uh, and and a, again, an offensive line that enabled a running back to score a touchdown, which is difficult to do uh, even in the Arena Football League. So again, the building blocks are there. This team has the right attitude. It's got the right head in the game. Um, and I will never, ever apologize for being a fan. I'm, if you want to come to this show to listen to me, uh, just dissect them and pull them apart as far as losing and say everything that's wrong with the team, you're probably listening to the wrong show because <laughs> there's enough of that out there in this world. There's enough people that are uh, going to pick apart every bad thing that this team is ever going to do. Uh, but I'm a fan. 
and, and this is a fan podcast. It never it never pretends to be anything more than that. I'm trying to get fans involved. I'm trying to be excited about this team. So you're going to get positive vibes from this show. You're going to get positive takeaways from the show. Uh, and, and when I bring on players, when I bring on folks to talk about the other team, uh, again, we're not we're not here to diminish the play on the field. We're not here to, to point out all of the shortcomings because anybody can do that and, and spend hours doing that. But uh, we're here for positivity. We're here to cheer on the guys on the field. On the field, we're here to just enjoy the fact that there's football to watch in March. And like I said, I I will even after a loss still uh, give you all of the the positive takeaways from it and the good things that happened in the game because we all saw the the things that that didn't go right. So um, I'm gonna point out to you the stuff that went right, <laughs> even in a loss. All right. I hope you guys stick through it. I hope you guys enjoy that because, uh, like I said, the news out there and everybody out there, they're, they're going to go ahead and tell you uh, exactly what goes wrong all the time. Every time newspapers will tell you everything that went wrong. But I'm here to tell you what went right. And there was uh, enough things that went right this last game against Northern Arizona to be very, very encouraged about what we're going to see uh, heading in as we take on the Las Vegas Nighthawks. And speaking of those Las Vegas Nighthawks, Let's bring in Ben Wilson, and uh, we'll, we'll bring him in now to talk about what to expect from Las Vegas on Monday night. On the line right now with Ben Wilson, he is the play-by-play voice for the Vegas Nighthawks, who will be the opponent for the Bay Area Panthers this Monday night over there in the SAP Center. Uh, first of all, Ben, welcome to the IFL family, and thanks for uh, setting up the opponent and, and what to expect from your Vegas Nighthawks coming into Monday night's game. Yeah, Rod, thank you so much for inviting me. It's, it is cool to be part of a, a new league and. I'm sure, just like it is for you guys with you know, such a long wait, everything coming to fruition here with the new expansion team. I know you've had to wait a little longer than, than the folks in Vegas have since they didn't, you know, they didn't even announce plans for a team until about 10 months ago. But it's, anytime you're around an expansion franchise, like it, there's just the excitement. It's palpable. You can feel it in the community. So it's been a blast so far. I'm really excited. It'll be our first road trip, actually, coming up to uh, San Jose. So it should be a, should be a blast. Well, California will welcome you, but to a certain extent, of course, we want our team to walk away with the win. But how crazy is it? How crazy of a ride was it for you? Because I'm sure a lot of broadcasters, especially in the IFL, they don't necessarily know. In fact, I know that ours were like, oh, I kind of didn't even know I was going to be calling this until uh, about a month ago. So uh, the team starts up 10 months ago. At, at what point did you even find out that you were going to be the announcer for this team? Uh, yeah, it's funny you, you say a month's timeline for, for your guys as well. That's basically what it was for us. And, I mean, for me, it, it was almost my, my head, felt like my head was spinning, to be honest, coming into that, that first game week for us because, I mean, I've been doing college basketball nonstop since November. So, like, the, all the, the conversations and, you know, all the orchestrations here and figuring out the season and all those were sort of going on while I was in basically what, for most, you know, for most of us, it's our busiest time of the year. And so I literally came out of the uh, the last basketball league I had. I did the WAC conference tournament here in Vegas for ESPN Plus. <laughs> literally had the semifinals on a, on a Friday night, and uh, came out of that. You know, we had selection Sunday, then on um, on Sunday, and was helping cover that for you know, the other job I do here in Vegas. And all of a sudden, it was like boom, Monday internal media day, getting to meet the coaches, meet the players, and like that. The next Friday was our was our opening game. So. Yeah, it, it's been quick. It's been fun just getting to learn about all the guys, and it certainly helps, I think, for our perspective when it's you know, a 25-man roster. 
as opposed to college where there's like a hundred plus guys you got to prep for. So a lot of really unique storylines. I'm sure it's the same on, on the San Jose side, uh, you know, with, with the Bay Area team as well. Um, but getting to know the guys and just the hunger that they, you know, they've been preparing for this for a while. And for many of them, that, that, that first game on the couple Fridays ago was their first pro opportunity uh, ever. And for many of them hadn't even suited up and played in a real game in two years because of the pandemic. So it's been a, it's been special. It's obviously, like you say, it's come along pretty quickly, but it's been special for us here to be a part of it. And, and you had to learn a new language for this. I mean, IFL, football is football, yes, but there's a lot of, of variances in the IFL that you have to get used to. And uh, in watching the first broadcast, I love it because I know that you were trying to educate the folks in, in Vegas as far as what they were watching in front of them, but there's a little bit of you trying to remind yourself every once in a while, yes, this is what I do here. Oh, no no question. I would, yeah, I was basically <laughs> trying to... It's almost like you're talking the, the rules into your own head while you're also, yes, educating people. <laughs> and what's funny, and this is more of like a, a broadcaster nerd thing that I don't know that people really care, but uh, when we, you know, we put together like our spotting boards, right, for football, and you know, most of us, we have a formula we use where we're calling, you know, 11 on 11, calling college games, where you've got all these spaces for just tons and tons of players because you've got to cram everything in. Well, for the IFL, you know, it's eight on eight. There's 21 guys in the active roster, so putting together all my notes and my charts, I'm like, I have so much extra space. And that essentially turned into just like listing the rules all over the place. Cause I know, like I knew it was going to come up. I'd have to like have it right there so I could reference it. Uh, but yeah, I mean the first game, it's funny. I, I remember I talked to coach Mike Davis, the, the Vegas Nighthawk coach after the first game. And again, I knew he'd watch the broadcast and I was literally asked the game like, all right, did I, did I screw anything up? Like, were we good? And Luckily, he was like, oh, yeah, no, for the, for the most part, there were a couple of minor things, but you were good. So, you're, no, you're totally right, Rod. It's like it is a new language, even though, yes, football is football. Uh, we've yet to see a rouge or a douche so far. We, we were, there was a potential for one in the last game. But, uh, so I've yet to see anything super wonky, but it's been fun to kind of learn that and, and the new intricacies of this sport. And not just that, but with a new team, too. So you talked about it, Vegas. This is their first season, obviously. Ten months ago, they weren't even in existence, and now they're playing football in Vegas. What's the atmosphere like there? I know that they're going to come here, but I, I'm sure Vegas is close enough to where we may want a road trip when, when we play you guys. So what's, the, what's it like there in the Dollar Loan Center as far as just playing football in Las Vegas inside? Yeah, it's it's really unique. It's a cool setup. It's only about a 6,000-seat venue. It actually was built specifically for the, the Vegas Golden Knights, their AHL affiliate, the Henderson Silver Knights. And so you have the Golden Knights in the NHL, Silver Knights, AHL, and then the Nighthawks, which they're all under the same ownership group. Bill Foley, who owns the Golden Knights, it's his Foley Entertainment Group. So uh, it's sort of a, a dual-purpose uh, type event. They actually just signed a contract the Big West to host their conference basketball tournament there as well. That was actually the first event to take place. But it's, what's cool is it's super intimate. It's basically one, you basically have a lower bowl, and then you have, obviously, above that, there's just a ring of suites, and there's a press box up top. So it's awesome because you feel like you're, no matter where you're sitting, you're basically right on top of the field. And for the IFL game, it's, a really, it's really a perfect setup for that. And so opening night, again, it's about a 6,000-seat arena. They had, I think, I want to say it was 56, 5,700 in attendance. Uh, we were right at around 5,000 on Sunday. So it's, it's been a great atmosphere uh, for, I know for Bay Area fans, I'm sure a lot, there's a lot of crossover, a lot of Sharks fans as well. I'll be interested to see if we get any of the similar uh, rivalries as, as a result, just given the ownership ties, at least on the Vegas side. But um, for, at least for these, these early games, like 
the, the, I mean, the, the crowd has been great. The, a lot of the other, you know, the pyrotechnics, the other eccentricities that you would see with the Vegas Golden Knights game, that is carried over. They use uh, the same PA announcer. They've got a lot of the same, like the light shows and all the, all the cool stuff. So it, it is, you know, it does separate itself. It is truly like one of those Vegas experiences. That was the goal the whole way, but on a much smaller scale than say, like if you go to Allegiant stadium for a Raiders game, which is just this, you know, beautiful behemoth of, of a stadium, this is a lot more intimate. And so it's a great fan experience. It's been great for us as broadcasters because there's not a, not a bad sightline you can have when you're in that, uh, in that venue. And it just lends itself so nicely to that type of league and, and really just the intimate style of football. I love the word intimate because it really is. It's, it's football, but you get to actually be a part of the action, whereas in the NFL you could get swallowed whole. But you guys actually started the same way as us with a home win. Uh, which was nice to see, right, on home territory. We, we, we both walked away with a win, but unfortunately we're unable to follow it up in the second game uh, with a victory. Now, ours was a little more hurtful than yours, at least. You kept it close against the Sugar Skulls. Um, but, but what was the first couple of games like for you and, and watching just uh, uh, the team win and then the team not win? Right. It, it is fascinating, too, just like the differences we, we saw in the overall the quality of play from week one to week two. I mean, it was we, we were joking. Uh, Gary Lawless, my, my color partner, who's also he's an analyst for the Vegas Golden Knights, and he covered the CFL for a long time. So he's got a lot of, you know, knows Mike Davis and who has also a CFL background. So he, like, he knows kind of the, the game as a whole. And he was like, man, they, they held Northern Arizona to nine points on the, on the opening night. And he was like, if they do that every night, I mean, they're going to be, you know, hanging championship banners here in Vegas. I mean, it was, what, over 40 a game last year, your average IFL score. So we kind of knew that week one was, was going to be an anomaly. And you could tell, like, Northern Arizona, I mean, they, they are essentially an expansion team as well. where They didn't bring back a single player from last year, which was their first year, only won one game brand new staff and you could tell like there was a lot of rust a lot of a lot of jitters from a, a bunch of the players on both sides it was kind of sloppy defense won the day and Vegas wins this game 22-9 where and the coaches told us after like yeah we're, like we need to clean up a lot of things offensively to be competitive in these games and you turn that into what we saw last Sunday and it, it, it was a lot more of the at least what I perceived to be the traditional IFL flow of the game where it was like bang two play drive touchdown Tucson bang, three-play drive, touchdown Vegas. It was a really fun back-and-forth, high-energy affair. And we, I definitely felt like Vegas showed a lot of improvements from game one to game two on the offensive side. Certainly defense, there were, I mean, a lot of strengths that were shown in the first two games. But to be honest, I mean, they really took advantage of a Northern Arizona offense that was just totally out of sync. Uh, Caleb Barker, their quarterback, just straight-up dropped two balls on dropbacks. And I, he certainly looked a ton better from watching some of the clips of the game against Bay Area over the weekend. So that's just, to me... It, Rod, kind of feels like the early season IFL in a nutshell. Like you have so many moving parts, so many young players. Coach Davis basically told us post game, like his goal was just to get through these first four weeks two and two because he knew there would be so many moving parts and new guys he would be bringing in. And for him, like he felt like, look, it was obviously you don't want to lose a game, but to be one and one, he was fine with that, especially since they were playing Tucson, who brought in Dequan Neal in the offseason, 2019 IFL MVP as a rookie. And that was a, you could tell, that was a team who, while it was young, still had a ton of experience with an experienced two-time IFL Coach of the Year in Dixie Wooten, and that's sort of the type of franchise that I think Coach Davis is trying to pattern his team after. Remember, that was Tucson. They were the first ever expansion team to make the playoffs in their first year. So interesting to kind of compare the first two weeks. Uh, certainly some good, some bad, and the general sense I get is that the team's happy with where they're at. Sure, they'd love to be 2-0, and but 
Uh, they've seen a lot of improvements really on the, on both sides of the ball, especially on offense after week one. And I feel like a lot of that came when you guys uh, switched off from Dalton Sneed to Jalen Henderson in that first game and never looked back. I mean, Henderson started uh, the game against the the Sugar Skulls and um, did fairly well. I mean, 189 yards, that's, that's not bad. Six touchdowns uh, in the air. So, yeah, again... It all started there, so are we going to see a lot more of? J- are we going to see a lot more of Jalen Henderson out here in uh, in San Jose? Yeah, that's certainly the thought. And what's also interesting, as coaches, I get the sense as well, are trying to figure out like their own personnel as we go through here. Where Vegas only and they suited up. They they figured it would be kind of a quarterback by committee. They still hadn't really settled on a full time starter as of week one. So Snead and Henderson both dressed. Henderson came off the bench, was really solid, and uh, threw a touchdown in that in that week one win. But they had a bunch of guys go down, get banged up on both the O-line and the D-line. So they ended up with five different guys playing multiple positions, including a couple who had to had to go both ways. So they changed it a little bit, named Jalen Henderson the starter for week two. They they signed two different, one defensive lineman, one O-lineman, just to have just to have a little more versatility, just have more bodies because they were I mean they were a match unit by the end of game one. So they really trusted Henderson with that as a result. There was no backup. Uh, there are a couple guys in, you know, in the wide receiver room who could have potentially stepped in in an emergency, but Henderson was their guy. And, you know, what's interesting was the book on him coming in was that they felt like he was a super smart guy, but he kind of struggled with the playbook and just processing plays. That was the, the overall read in the scouting report on him from training camp. And so coming in, I mean, you think about a guy hadn't played in a, in a pro game ever, hadn't played in a game period since the 2019 Mountain West title game when he was at Boise State. But he came in and looked, I mean, at least to me, surprisingly poised. Like, he looked ready to go. And 8 of 14, 71 yards the first game with a touchdown, throw six touchdowns Sunday, threw one pick, but that was basically in, uh, in desperation when they were down nine on the final drive. And he's really impressed a lot of people in that organization who weren't really sure if he'd be ready to take the reins. Uh, he's certainly proven it so far. There's, there's going to continue to be competition. It's not like that starting quarterback job is just going to be unlocked the whole year. But so far, he's proven that he, he's been the guy. He's a fun player to watch, really good dual-threat athlete, which is, uh, for IFL fans know, the dual-threat nature is, is one of the most dangerous weapons and hardest types of QBs to slow down in this league particularly. Yeah, that's the difference, I thought, between Snead and Henderson is that Snead never looked really comfortable going out of the pocket and sort of just he didn't take what even what was given to him at that point. Not to say that he won't you know in the future but obviously in that first game jitters and everything and then Henderson really looked comfortable just kind of escaping and and moving around the pocket and uh, the pocket as it were I suppose right it's not like it's that long anyways (laughs) but uh one one other player I'm impressed with is Katie Cannon obviously he's got some CFL experience I know your your partner in the booth there has plenty of CFL knowledge uh but I do remember watching him with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh a while back there too so uh I know that he did well against the Sugar Skulls as well uh what did he catch four uh, three touchdown passes in that game 71 yards uh Frank Brown also did good with two touchdowns and 90 yards so uh you guys got a couple of good receivers in there as well notice that your running back does not do a whole lot of work uh unfortunately and this is a league where running backs actually do some work, which is a, a departure from the arena league. So um, is it just because Jalen Henderson is mobile and, and we may not see much of uh, Eli Cavallu? Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I was a little surprised at that too, to be honest, because they, they brought him in pretty late in camp. Uh, Eli Cavallu, who was, I mean, really productive with the Barnstormers of Iowa last year, eighth in the IFL. I think he rushed for just a shade under 400 yards. So 
uh, Coach Mike Davis had said, like, they wanted a locker room general with league experience to come in. This is a team that, is, as I've talked about, I mean, it is really young across the board. Oldest player, I want to say, is 26, and it's, those are both guys on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm a little surprised. I, the, the offensive line play, it's been pretty good in protection for Henderson, but they haven't really opened up a lot of holes for Kovalu, I'd imagine, as we go forward, they'll want to be a little bit more multidimensional with that, with that attack. Because I mean, he rushed for 12 touchdowns last year, carried it nearly 100 times out for Iowa. So yeah, certainly that that would be a thing. I have to imagine that is going to be talked about, trying to improve on on that end of it for Katie Cannon too. Like, and that's one of the, the fascinating things I found, uh, Rod, just getting to know some of these guys and learning about the IFL game. Where, like, if you're Mike Davis, you're a head coach. B, you're a GM, but you're also a scout. You're also you're also basically a recruiter, and you're also an advocator for your own players. And he's pretty much told us, like, Katie Cannon has as much talent as anybody in the league. Like, he could be playing in the NFL right now. It's about you know he's he struggled just to keep you know the, the firm head on his shoulders and really put everything in place. Where he he had some run, and as you mentioned in the CFL, he was actually there when Mike Davis was the manager of player personnel there in Saskatchewan back in 2018-19. So those guys know each other really well. And with the you know, pandemic kind of throwing things off, Cannon sort of it just lost his way, wasn't on a roster, was originally in the XFL, but obviously that league was uh, was disbanded after just five weeks with COVID, didn't really play last year. I mean, that's a guy you watch, and, and you the wonder kind of, you know, around the locker room is how long is he even going to be on the team? Because he's certainly going to be – a really, really highly sought after, I would imagine, everything I've heard uh, from from the CFL to begin and maybe, you know, maybe an NFL camp if, if he continues to progress this way. But when you come out and you score four touchdowns in your first six quarters, just looking unstoppable when he's guarded one-on-one, uh, there's a reason why. So that that's another fascinating element to this. Cannon is going to be, he is clearly the number one target. Uh, and I just, I wonder how, you know, how much longer will Vegas have his services? Mike Davis has been pretty open with us. Like, he says he, you know, he wants these guys who are really successful to move on to the next level. And so it's almost like at, at one point you're, you're trying to get the best guys in to help you win, but you also want to help their careers. And as we know, I mean, it's not like you're making much money in the IFL. So that's a really interesting storyline I'll be curious to watch throughout the rest of the year. And uh, so far the Henderson-Cannon combo, I mean, that's really what's, uh, what's been moving things for Vegas here, at least in the first couple games. Our secondary is just going to have their hands full, and, and I think they know it because, uh, you know, again, when you watch the film, it's not hard to uh, to dissect who the ball is going to go to in in that instance. So uh, an oft-overlooked aspect of the IFL, though, is defense, and defense is good defense. And uh, you guys have a good defensive back over there, and Kalen Hicks uh, led the team in tackles last week against the Sugar Skulls with nine, uh, but just looks overall good. 6'2", 210, uh, a big Hawaiian guy, uh, a local boy as well, too. So uh, just talk about your defense a little bit and what you've, what you've been impressed with so far this season. Yeah, Hicks has been really solid, and that's part of it, too, when you're, you're coming up with a, you know, an inaugural year of a franchise and an expansion team. They, they really have wanted to bring in a lot of local talent. And there are several guys who were basically in open tryouts. I mean, Jericho Flowers, who's another guy also who played at UNLV, Hicks, played at Hawaii but he's from Vegas those are guys who like just kind of showed up at tryouts and flowers in particular like he hadn't played much in the offseason and and they basically just made the team and and just solely on their talents alone and and that's what's been kind of fun to see is like the community has gotten behind this team largely because there are I mean seven different guys with uh, Vegas ties just combined between guys who grew up here who went to UNLV and, and as a result, it, it's made for quite the interesting combination of things, both offensively and defensively. But 
Uh, what's interesting for me, like you mentioned, Hicks, who's one of the captains of the defense, he and uh, this guy named Messi, uh, his full name's Matthew, but his grandpa called him Messi as a kid, so they call him <laughs> Messi. Uh, really fun guy to watch. He's a 6'5 D lineman who's, who's had a couple big plays. He is, he is the only other player I mentioned earlier, Cannon. Uh, Messi Kaloa Amatangi is how you pronounce his name. He's the only other guy who actually has real uh, CFL in-game experience when he played uh, with the BC Lions back in 2019. So he and Hicks actually played together at Hawaii, and Messi Kaloa Amatangi basically was, was talked into coming to Vegas by Kalen Hicks in camp. And so it, it's, I don't think it's a surprise, uh, Rod, that the, some of the best guys for Vegas that Mike Davis you know, wanted from the start were guys that – he kind of had to talk into coming. You know, there was a lot of uncertainties of you know, which guys were going to end up where. So they get this Meffy guy along with Zay Burks, who, who spent time on the Packers practice squad and was in Tucson last year. It was a, those two guys super stout on the front line, along with the former Purdue guy and Kai Higgins. And, and those, like, I have been most impressed, I would say, by the, the D-line because they've, they've forced a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks, forced bad decisions, especially in week one. So that front three, to me, will, especially that trench battle will be kind of the unsung key, at least if you're looking at these games going forward. Uh, and Hicks is certainly a really solid ball hawk in, uh, in, in the defensive backfield. Javon Ferguson, another really good player to watch out for, who's played multiple positions so far. He led the country in tackles per game at New Mexico State in 2019. So not bad when you bring in the country's best tackler at the FBS level. And uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch, too. Meffy coming home. East Palo Alto guy. So maybe yeah, little, little right. fans in the stands for him. I, I believe so, and I, I, there's a bunch of guys that, and not really a surprise here, but of all the 25 overall on the roster, I believe six are from uh, from California, so they have the most like representation, and both, but yes, Matthew Will and Gabe McCoy, who's from uh, from Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh, California, uh, he told me he's probably going to have, I don't know, 25, 30 people in the stands. He played at UNLV, McCoy, he's one of the starting linebackers, and said whenever they had their road games at San Jose State, it was... He'd have basically his entire family out there. So, yeah, there will be a lot of really cool connections like that. And it'll be, it'll, I know they're really looking forward to that first, uh, that first trip to go back home, especially given you know, how limited it is, those opportunities to see your family once you get into the whole run of the season. Which you are now fully entrenched in. And are you having fun? Oh, come on. That's not even a real question. It's, like, it's, it's been a blast. Even, even a 22-9 game, like we had, we had a ton of fun and uh, it's, it's cool yeah, for you know, anybody who loves football. Like it's, you know, just to be part of a you know a league like this. That now, like I grew up in Wisconsin, where I mean the Packers were everything. You know, grew up in the early '90s, and there's a reason why. Like I love football because when you grow up in Brett Favre as a quarterback for the Packers, like you're going to love it. But as a result, like arena football was huge back then. The old Milwaukee Mustangs and the Sting going, you know, going way back to like the early 2000s. So I've all it's. It's been cool because it's always been a you know fun thing for me, and I've, it's always been something I've really enjoyed watching uh, and seeing you know the ups and downs that the old AFL had and eventually folding. It's I'm glad that it is it has maintained itself at, now at the IFL level to give these guys a shot and uh, just the personal relationships and you realize you know it's it's sort of like a hard knocks type uh, thing where for or last it's probably a better better characteristic is like a last chance you sort of thing where it really is for a lot of these guys you know their their opportunity to make an impression and and get a chance either north of the border or in an NFL camp. And so to kind of help tell that story, I'm, I'm sure you felt the same way. It's just, well, it's A, the, the cool part of being around a game that you grew up watching, and then B, just the, you know, the personal nature of it and, and getting to meet a lot of these guys. So I have to think there's going to be a, a ton of parity in the league this year with so many of these new teams. And 
It'll, it'll be interesting to watch like two expansion teams going at it uh, here this week. I cannot wait. Ben Wilson, you can hear him call the Vegas Nighthawks games. In fact, go right now. Well, okay, not right this second, but as soon as this episode's over, head over to the IFL YouTube uh, channel. Go watch yourself the last couple of Vegas Nighthawks games. You will hear his beautiful tones calling the action for you. And uh, again, I, I highly suggest it because not only are you getting to know uh, the enemy. Sorry, Ben. Sorry. T- tomorrow we'll be friends. Oh, yeah, so Tuesday we'll be friends, but work, Monday not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you'll also get a chance to watch uh, the the team before you get a chance to see them on Monday night. Ben, thank you so much for spending some time with us and for us getting to know the Vegas Nighthawks. Um, looking forward to uh, getting to meet you on Monday night, and uh, hopefully we'll all be able to say hi to you. Absolutely, man. Going to be a blast. I can't wait. We'll uh, we'll see you up there on Monday. All right, Ben Wilson, he is the voice of the Vegas Nighthawk. We'll see them on Monday night. Joining me now is our kicker, Stevie Arteague, a former Louisiana Raging Cajun. And look, Stevie, I'm going to break it down for you real quick. Uh, When I first saw you in the scrimmage, in the actual uh, uh, media day slash scrimmage, you are a ball of energy, and I knew, I knew that I had to eventually have you on the show, and I'm so glad that Coach Schaefer set this up for us because uh, I'm excited to get to know you and, and to get the fans to get to know you as well because if you're anything like what you were on Media Day, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yes, sir, definitely. I just like keeping it positive, just good vibes only. Good vibes only, which is now uh, led you to be a member of the Bay Area Panthers. So let's talk about just how excited you are to be playing uh, football for Bay Area and, and basically just what it's like to be part of the team and, and now that we're playing games. Because I've talked to players before, but this is before live action. Now we're in the season. And you're the first player I've talked to once the games have started. So what's it been like for you so far? It's been so exciting. I mean, first of all, um, it's 65 and sunny every day. Where I come from, it's 100 (laughs) degrees and raining part of every day. So it's beautiful to walk outside every day. Um, The the coaching staff is so positive, and uh, the players are very supportive. And I really feel like that helps me reach my potential um, on this team so far. I mean, like the first game was we had against the San Diego Strike Force. I think that was probably top three most exciting games I've played in my life. I couldn't go to sleep till like three in the morning after there was a lot of excitement i gotta tell you right now that that first game was a close one obviously came down to the to the nitty-gritty to the very end to the very last play even the last second did they call did they call a timeout did they not call a timeout but you obviously played a huge part in that too uh with your field goals and your extra points that that came in clutch so um really uh, talk us through that first game because that was an exciting game what what were the emotions of stepping out on the field uh being able to, to kick in that environment and just to play overall uh for sure let me just start out with i'm blessed for this opportunity and so thankful for everyone in the bay area that supports our team and that first game like right the first time i went out to kick it wasn't a kickoff it was a, a long field goal I, um, I, I never thought about you having to jump over the wall to get onto the field. So that, that was a little different. And then once you're there, like, you're like, all right, uh, the, you're just lining up. And once you get it through, you're good. Um, it, it was exciting. That first kick, I just had to get it out of the way. Then after that, I felt good about it. It's you're kicking into, 
I, I can't even imagine what it looks like when you've used to goalposts the size of what you've been kicking through uh, to go out there and to see half of that and then and then know that you are very close but yet still so far away. Um, what's the transition been like for you from the outside game to the inside game? Uh, honestly, just working on my accuracy and consistency because, um, like you know, those field goals are nine feet instead of 15 or whatever they are in college. Um, so I've been kicking out a lot of light poles and some cane fields back home just to work on my accuracy. Um, and that's been the biggest help, just aim small, miss small is my motto. And it's got to be intense, too, because you know that the action's right up on you anyways, and field goals can come from anywhere on the field. You probably never thought that you would kick a field goal from your own five before. Right, exactly, exactly. It's kind of uh, it's funny. Uh, what have your teammates been like so far? What, what's it been like in the locker room for you guys? Oh, the camaraderie is great. Uh, that's what I've been missing most since last time I played. And um, we're all just boys. You know, we hang out together. We had a pool day last weekend. Um, it, it's, just, it's just nice being around the guys and hanging out with them. So, okay, you made the transition, obviously, like I said, from outdoor to indoor football. Um, just when you, when you look and when you, when you think about what you've done uh, up until now, like the indoor game itself, kickers aren't usually a thing in the indoor game. So are you, are you extremely excited that you get to play in a league that kickers actually matter? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I've, I've been following arena football, indoor football for a long time now, and um, it's really a dream just to be playing this right now. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot more pressure on you, but I can handle it. I carry it well, I would say. <laughs> there is a lot. Of, actually, it, it's amazing to me how much pressure there are, uh, is actually on indoor kickers because of the fact that you are compressed and not just in the field, but in the goalpost as well. And you could be called on at any moment to go out and kick a, a field goal because obviously, like I said, they're a little more in play and and then the kickoffs too, uh, having to adjust now to to a squib type kickoff. Whereas in arena football, you can kick it right into the net and just let it bounce off. So is that a technique you had to teach yourself as well? Uh, it, it was more just like throttling down instead of just smashing the ball out the back of the end zone, which is all you want to do in college. Um, yeah, I've been I've really been loving just like the the finesse of kickoff, having to put it in certain spots, and our kickoff team's been doing great tackling them. So okay, when you're when you're lining up to kick and you have to throttle back, uh, and you you think about uh, all the technique and all of the things, when you go to the next level, how much is this going to translate and help you for the ne for the next uh, adventure that you got waiting for you? Oh my God, it's it's going to be looking it's going to be like looking at a, a giant field goal um, <laughs> for starters. Like that's it's going to be like taking a donut off a of bat. You know, it's easier to swing. Um, that's just going to be incredible. I feel like I won't miss after arena football. But um, kickoff, I think that's going to be great for my specialty kicks at the next level. Just practicing on all those little pooch kicks, squib kicks, getting the good hops on onside kicks, and uh, just being perfect in placement. Um, I can only see that translating very well at the next level, especially in situational football. Well, you're here in the Bay Area now. We mentioned that you were a part of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in college, but where did football get started for you? Where where was your first uh, taste of football, and, and how did you even get into this whole big world that we're living in now? Um, I kind of got into it myself. I have no reason why, but um, we have these two pine trees in my backyard at my parents' house, and when I was about like seven or eight, 
um, I started kicking between them. And in between those trees, it's like a chain swing going horizontal. So it makes a field goal. And I just started kicking, like I said, at seven or eight, a uh, little one of those bad little orange tees with a rubber football. And I was pretty good at it. I have no reason why I kept doing that stuff. I just kept doing it. And then um, at 10 is when I started playing organized football. And um, they asked me to, we're trying out on like a baseball field. And they put the ball on the second base and they're like, soccer players come over. And I knew I've been kicking for a couple of years at that time. And I smashed it. And after they saw um, me kick that, it was history from there. So, okay, did, did that lead to any, uh, what, what other places did you look at other than Louisiana to go? Um, I, I really just, I committed pretty early. I was at the end of my junior year when I committed to the Ragin' Cajuns. So I didn't really look anywhere else, but I had visits to Tulane, Southern Miss, and a handful of other schools that showed me some attention. But once I committed, uh, I knew my commitment was going to stay true, and the other colleges didn't pay much attention after that, which I'm cool with. <laughs> You're like, that's all right. I got my selection already. I'm good. Let's go. Let's let's be a raging kid. Right. Let's focus. Absolutely. How much fun was college kicking? Oh, it was so much fun. Uh, it, it was nice being able to win some games and um, – put a decent record together for my hometown. Um, I went to Lafayette High, which is literally down the street from where I played football in college. And my parents' house is in the center of Lafayette. I could walk to the campus from their house. Um, it's just, it's been a, it, it's, it was a true joy to have that opportunity to do something for Lafayette like that. So it's crazy. Cause like you said, you go from that type of environment to California. What's the transition been like for you to come out here to the Bay? And was this your first trip to California uh, as far as being a, a resident? Um, yes, this is my first trip to California, as, and it's being a resident as well, like you said. But, um, I mean, it's only good. I, I don't think if you're living in California in a nice apartment I don't for free, I don't think you can uh, you can complain much, you know? Like I said, 65 and sunny never gets old. And the places you get to visit. I mean, you'll get to visit Vegas before this Vegas. is here. Northern Arizona you guys got to go to last weekend. Uh, yeah, it's got to be so much fun. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, like I said, I'm so blessed for this opportunity and thankful. Uh, Coach Schaefer has been a blessing in my life, and uh, I'm just very thankful for our relationship. So you guys come off of the high of the win at home, uh, but what was the message after a tough and, – and I said it on Twitter as well. It's not so much that you harp on the losses, but obviously you take them as, as a learning experience. What was the message to you and the team after the rough outing as far as going forward for the rest of the season? Uh, it was really just like we got our butts kicked, as, as you all know. Um, but I think – you could find something positive in any situation. And this situation, I think it could humble us and start putting some pieces together to build on for the future, for the next game, and then for the rest of the season. Just each game, um, take what you learn, what you did good and bad, and build from that to the next one. And that's really, I, again, that's all you can, you can hope for and, and want going forward because uh, you're coming home and you're going to play Vegas and, and you're ready to, to uh, come at it again with the home crowd. So uh, are, are you excited to come back and play in front of the, the guys over there in the jungle? Oh, yeah, I'm so excited. The energy last time was amazing. So uh, I, it gets the, a Vegas team, a good Vegas team. Um, I feel like this could only be even better, more energy, more excitement, and uh, I'm just ready to compete. 
Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So the crowd, judge the crowd and and how they interacted and and uh, what you expect from them uh, going into the second game. Now, now that we're a little more acquainted with the indoor football game as far as the indoor football league. I mean, they're 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 seasoned vets. You're lucky that you got a lot of uh, SaberCats fans in there. So, uh, but but what are you expecting out of them this this week? I was so impressed by the, the fans last time. Um, a large amount of them knew who I was and would come talk to me. It made me feel so welcomed in there. Um, just, by the way, Barrier fans, um, y'all are great. Like, keep doing what y'all are doing. Just keep it up. Just whatever y'all did last time, just keep doing it. <laughs> Bang the drum. That was great. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, again, watching you guys. I think that's the thing about the Indoor Football League that makes it, and, and I say it time and time again, and I'll probably say it more than than listeners want to hear but just the fact that we get to know you guys the fact that we get to come in high five you say thanks and and good game and regardless of if it was a win or a loss you guys are still always so gracious with your time so uh, whatever you guys are doing keep doing oh for sure definitely uh, all right, Stevie Artigue, ladies and gentlemen, he kicks for us, and he kicks well. Uh, come out, cheer him on this Monday night against the Vegas Nighthawks. Uh, Stevie, any last message for the fans? Go Panthers, and uh, thank you for your support. That'll about do it for another episode of the Indoor Cats podcast. Once again, thanks for joining. And I want to send a huge thank you out to Ben Wilson. Again, he is the play-by-play voice for the Las Vegas Nighthawks. And a big, huge thank you to Stevie Artigue. He's our kicker. <laughs> I love I love having players on, and I love uh, when it's not the traditional. Every, everybody that gets attention most of the time uh, but again, Stevie, huge energy, going to be such a good time watching him play all season long. Hopefully you guys get a chance to get out there and meet him. Listen, this is the thing about the Indoor Football League, all right? And I'm telling you right now, uh, you can meet these guys. These guys are not out of your reach. If you come to the game on Monday night, you'll get an opportunity to get out on that field and shake hands with these players and actually meet these players, get these guys' autographs. You can get into the door at the SAP Center for as low as 50 dollars how on god's green earth can you even pass that up 15 dollars get you in the door get you the opportunity to actually meet the players on the field again sap center 605 is the kickoff the bay area panthers taking on the las vegas night hawks in our third game of the season so much fun to be had ladies and gentlemen get yourself out through the sap center do not miss out on the opportunity to watch indoor football right in your own backyard with your Bay Area Panthers. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode. And and come find me on Monday night. I'll be roaming around. Uh, I'll be the guy catching a touchdown pass from Corey Murphy. I I don't know if you guys caught that, but I I did that. (laughs) All right, it didn't count still, but whatever. Uh, All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you on Monday night out there at the SAP Center. We'll talk to you uh, after to break down the game against the Vegas Nighthawks. Uh, But until then, ladies and gentlemen, there is a new cat in town. Just hear us roar.